Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina post-game podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyTShirt.com. Rate us, review us, subscribe on iTunes, uh, YouTube most of the time. We're not on YouTube for these post-game podcasts. Um, but leave us a rating, five-star rating. Ask us a question on there. We'll get right to it. Post-game podcast means I've got Michael Brooker with me. Carolina, first round of the Maui Invitation in Asheville, North Carolina. <laughs> 78. <laughs> it's weird. It's still weird to me. It reminds me of friends of mine that were like, I'm dating a girl from Nashville, North Carolina. <laughs> 78-51 over UNLV, uh, not the running Rebels of old, Mike. It is uh, started out a little, little interesting, but once Carolina got it figured out, they rolled your overall take. Yeah, they're, uh, early on I was a little, a little worried there, 13-0, and they, they kind of were hearkening back to their running Rebels days. But, um, yeah, but once we settled down and, and started knocking down some shots and just got into a little bit more of a rhythm offensively, it was, uh, you know, the – overpowering size and the rebounding advantage obviously and then like I said being able to to hit some outside shots to take off some of the pressure on, on the big guys was obviously key and, and kind of got us in rhythm and, and got us rolling there in the first half. Yeah I want to talk about it a little bit later in this show about the doubling the post and how you're supposed to handle that how you're taught to handle that in Carolina's system um, but let's start off talking about one individual and I like to do this every post game we do we pick sort of a player of the game certainly not the highest score of the game. That goes to R.J. Davis on five of nine and three of four from three. I want to talk about Walker Kessler, uh, Mike. He, uh, This is a guy, and I said it just a minute off the air, this is a guy that if he played 15, 20, 25 years ago, he'd be by far on one of those guys that you were talking about, player of the year and all that type. Um, I know he's still young, but, wow, he's just got some serious basketball skills, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He's he's super polished, especially for a guy so young. And he keeps the ball high, and you know, kept it high on a couple of different occasions where he just went back up and dunked it, or or kept it high on the end one there uh, late in the second half. And you know, he's another guy that you know, if Carolina wasn't so loaded in the post, he'd be playing 25, 30 minutes a game, probably averaging 18 and 10 or something like that. You know, but um. Uh, obviously very, very impressive tonight. Seven points, six boards, four of them offensive rebounds, um, just um, in limited minutes, probably 13, 14 minutes, but some very impressive play from him. And it was good to see him get some extended minutes after, you know, having some of the um, limited minutes due to, due to COVID uh, issues um, prior to the first game. So I know everybody was glad to see him get a few more minutes and and really uh, impressing those minutes. Yeah, 14 minutes, like you said, seven and six. Let me ask you a question coming from a coaching standpoint and just seeing it um, in your days at Carolina. How tough is it to teach a big 
to keep the ball up because if you're seven one and you put it at your waist, you might as well be six five like the rest of the guys in there. How how difficult is that to teach? And it doesn't look like Kessler is one of those guys that has to be reminded of that. No, he's not. And I think I think all of our guys have been drilled really well by the coaching staff. Um, they do a great job of post development in the Carolina program and had have for a really long time back all the way back to Coach Guthridge. Um, you know, teaching the bigs and Brendan and Chris and all those guys to, to keep it high. And it, it is difficult. I think it's a habit. Uh, I'm trying to bring it down and generate enough um, power to get back up with it, especially at that level. But um, those guys have obviously been well drilled and, and, are, and are highly skilled as well. And um, Kessler showed, like I said, tonight. And I think all our bigs are pretty, uh, pretty efficient at doing that and uh, maximizing their chances to to get that ball back up on the rim and um, get, uh, and hopefully maximize and get in one opportunities as well. Yeah, Kessler just, I mean, he's so, he, he's tall anyway. He's, he's got a long reach. He's just too much for those UNLV guys to handle in those limited mil- minutes. We talked a lot about Sharp in the first game, and as freshmen are prone to do, especially early in their freshman season, Sharp really disappeared in this one. Had a rough go of it early, four turnovers. In 16 minutes, uh, one of four from the free throw line, that's going to happen, right? I mean, freshmen, everybody expects in this day of basketball, expects freshmen to come in and dominate out of the gate. And when they do, folks need to really appreciate it because it's not as easy as it looks. And Sharp sort of, you know, from game one to game two sort of proves that. No question. You know, he came in and obviously having to – the debut that he had a few nights ago, obviously he probably was uh, right up on top of the, the scouting chart for the scouting list for um, UNLV. So uh, they doubled hard and uh, he didn't handle it great early on and had a couple uh, balls that got you know, people got hands on and, and led to turnovers and, you know, got fouled a couple times and went to the line and, you know, it was one for four. So just, a, you know, overall, like you said, a, a tough outing, but, you know, he's going to continue to get experience and continue to eat up boards when he, when they come his way. I think he ended up with, uh, six rebounds a night, which is nothing to sneeze at, and, you know, 12, 13 minutes of action. But, um, yeah, struggled a little bit on the offensive end, but um, he'll be fine. Obviously, you saw the first game, the um, flashes of brilliance, and he'll, he'll continue to show that even in games where he struggles. But, yeah, he, uh, obviously we have other guys that can step in uh, and, and uh, pick up the slack when, when he has an off night uh, in the post like he did tonight. Roy Williams, like you said, and Carolina's got you know, what some have already said, you know, the best backcourt in the nation. I, I'm not convinced of that yet. Um, got a ways to go, especially given uh, Baycott's struggles at times last year, and then you have the freshman in Sharp and Kessler. Brooks clearly the class of the backcourt. Um, but something I saw and, and something I'd like to get your take on is, and I think we'll see it a lot, um, is Carolina's going to have to deal with the post being doubled frequently. Um, I think it'll be that, you know, that situation throughout the season, if, if I'm an opposing coach, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to force Carolina to hit some threes mm-hmm. to beat them. How do you, first of all, how does the Carolina system teach the uh, approach to doubles? Um, it looks like spinning away from it and making a quick move is certainly part of that. Um, the process that you know Roy Williams teaches, and of course that's passed down from Dean Smith. But you know, what's the best way to approach a, a team that's going to double your bigs all night and make it difficult? Like, uh, excuse me, like UNLV was doing early. 
I think we struggle with it early, obviously, um, either holding it too long and not creating that separation by square and strong and, and, and stepping out, you know, one or two strong dribbles and, and getting some separation to be able to make that pass. So when they sprint off that double team, they have longer to run with, and hopefully you can take advantage of uh, bad closeouts or long closeouts. Um, you know, we obviously have um, some bigger posts, you know, 6'10", 6'11", Kessler being 7'1". So that obviously helps as well to be able to square and be able to throw over the top of it. But taking that strong dribble out and, and just having the ability to get it out quickly or I think later in the half we were able to catch it deep in the post and be able to make a quick move before the double got there, which I think was key as well, and, and being able to attack it effectively and efficiently. But obviously making shots – you know, being able to kick it out. And I think we were seven for 19 from three with, you know, Playtech and Davis being the major uh, contributors there, five out of eight from three for them. Um, I think they were nine for 15 or 10 for 15 from the floor in general. So just being able to knock down some of those shots to take off some of the pressure and, and not allow those teams to really um, double so hard where they have to respect the fact that on a kick out that we can step up and knock those shots down. So I think that was key tonight to have those, uh, those couple guys knock down shots. Now, obviously we had some, a couple guys struggle. Um, Leaky you know, one for nine, Caleb Love two for nine. But you're yeah. right, Davis and Playtech picked it up. They picked it up big, and Playtech was big early when we were down. He he kind of kept us in it. You know, I think he had eight points really early. So both those guys, you know, if they can if they can knock down shots like that and, and keep people honest, and then when they do kick it out, you know, Leaky can take people off the bounce, and and Davis can, you know, take people off the bounce if they if they pressure too much on the perimeter. So. You know, um, it was much more promising after the first, uh, you know, six, seven minutes uh, of the way in which we handled the, those double teams in the post. Yeah, Carolina, of course, down 13 nothing, ended up winning by 27. Was that a 40-point swing? Wow. Yeah. Couple that with the – I believe the women over the weekend, UNC women, were down 21 and ended up winning by 25. So, some big turnarounds for Carolina basketball the last two games they've played. Uh Look, you were a shooter, a spot-up shooter maybe back mm -hmm. in the day. How would you um, assess a guy like Andrew Playtech's game? Uh, he's going to get a ton of open looks this season. And maybe Anthony Harris comes back and takes some of his minutes. But I see Playtech getting a ton of open looks off of doubled posts and, and things like that. What's the mindset of a shooter there? I think the mindset of a shooter is just, you know, the next one's going in. You know, obviously he struggled last game. And this game, I, I can't remember if he missed his first one or not, but uh, obviously he has the confidence to step up and, and keep taking him. And he knows that um, he brings a lot more to the table other than just shooting. So he's going to continue to get opportunities. Uh, he plays good, solid defense. He's an intangibles guy. So he's going to have opportunities to be on the court and, and to be able to knock down shots. Like you said, if they keep doubling. Uh, somebody's going to have open looks. So he did a good job tonight of, of being in rhythm, catching in a rhythm, and just um, kind of starting to feel good about himself. You know, like I said, I tell my guys that I coach now, all it takes, you know, all it takes is one to get going. Um, so you got to think the next one's going in. And he did that tonight, and it was really a big boost there, especially when we were struggling early. Uh, the jump from game one to game two, um, is that where you usually see – so game – well – I guess 2020 makes everything so much different this this year. Um, but game one, they were a little sloppy, did what they had to do to win. Game two, what did you see um, maybe specifically on the defensive end or, or, or something that we didn't see in game one um, that just comes from actually getting a game against, uh, you know, other people in? 
that that benefited that you saw tonight? Yeah, I think uh, I think I think it was good to see him get punched in the mouth a little bit early, and just to continue to to play, you know, play our style, play play the way we play, and and continue to just um, challenge shots. I think when they switched over uh, Brooks uh, on on the guy for uh, UNLV, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but he was really getting going there. And uh, they switched off Leakey onto him, and I believe he ended up about seven for twenty or seven for twenty-one from the field after starting out really hot. And uh, I thought that was key. Obviously, Leakey was all over the place. I think he had ten rebounds and, and numerous um, deflections and challenge shots. And you know, obviously, he didn't shoot it well or or play great offensively. Uh, I think he was one for nine, and but um, had four offensive rebounds and and just was kind of a glue guy, a glue guy. Um, Took some shots that coach probably wasn't too excited about, but um, some you know he, he's going to have to be a threat. So I mean, you do want him to be a threat and be able to knock it down. But um, but no, um, I thought defensively after that first stretch, there they were really active, uh, really controlled the boards. I think we had a twenty plus, twenty four plus uh, rebound advantage there. Uh, I think we had about eighteen offensive rebounds. So uh, just really controlled the glass there. Um, so that was good to see after initially getting punched in the mouth early. Yeah, to your point, Hamilton in the first half, um, of course he scored 28 or 29 in their first game. In the first half, 5 for 10, 11 points, 4 rebounds. Second half, Hamilton 2 for 9, no rebounds, and just 4 points. Of course, UNLV shot 6 of 36 from the field, 3 for 21 in the second half. Just brutal, brutal basketball. Carolina's defense certainly had something to do with that. Um, but it's good to see Carolina adjust and get active on a team that UNLV is not good, but Hamilton's a solid player, and Hamilton will make some noise this season, and Carolina was able to take him out. You mentioned Leaky Black, and, and you know we've been harsh on him at times in this podcast um, over the years, and um, you know one for nine shooting and one for three is just it's not cutting it. I do like the two for two from uh, the free throw line, but. 10 points, two assists. Speak a little bit more, Mike, to that type performance. I mean, some guys just can't shoot. But a lot of times, if you can't shoot or if you're not scoring, you do nothing else. And that is that makes it rough on the team. We talked about that a lot back when Bryce Johnson was a, a young guy. If he wasn't scoring, he didn't do much in the box score. And then he turned into – just had a fantastic senior season. But Leakey struggles from the floor but gets 10 rebounds. I mean, Roy Williams can live with the shooting if he's bringing that. He certainly brought that tonight. Led the team in rebounds by three, I think. Brooks second with seven. Yeah, No question. I mean, I, I don't think anybody really expects Leakey to score 12 points a game. I really don't. Um, we have so many other weapons uh, that, you know, obviously anything offensively, is is probably gravy to be quite honest with you. Um, we we need to be a threat. You know, six eight points a game I think is reasonable expectation, and um, knocking down some open mid range jumpers I think is a reasonable expectation. But I, I don't expect him to, you know, go ham from three or anything like that. But um, you know, one for nine. You know, obviously it was a game that struggled. But yeah, I think he's a guy that obviously is an extremely effective glue guy, uh, great defender, active, long six eight and long and lanky. Um, can can get a rebound and push it up the court in transition, doesn't have to get it to the point guard, challenges shots, and like you said, 10 rebounds, goes down there and battles. So um, he doesn't have to score, like I said, 12-14 a game for us, but I do think he needs to be a, a threat in that mid-range 
um, and continue to be disrupted defensively and, and help out on the glass like he, like he did tonight, lead the, leading the team in rebounding with 10 boards. So he's we you have to have guys like him, I think, to, to get places where you want to go. Uh, but I don't, I don't think we're really dependent on him to be, a, you know, a major scorer. But, but it would definitely help us out if he can chip in six to eight a game for sure. Yeah, I like the gravy comment because I, I agree with that. Whatever he gives you um, in the scoring column, certainly that for Roy Williams's team, and you'll take ten rebounds all night, especially for offensive. That those are game changing type things um, in, in close ball games. And look, if you look back to all of Carolina's best teams, especially the national championship teams, they had guys like that. Uh, you know, they had guys that did the dirty work. And if Leakey's not going to shoot it well, he can get his hands dirty and do that type of stuff. I think it benefits Carolina. Uh, first round of the Maui, I believe, uh, I'd like to see him play Stanford tomorrow. We're recording this show, obviously, as Stanford is playing now. But what do you want to see um, tomorrow and then Wednesday, whoever they play, what improvement or what areas of improvement do you want to see from this Carolina team over the next two nights? You know, just uh, continue to uh, get off to a little bit better start, obviously, because not every team is going to be like UNLV and be able to, you know, obviously we did pick it up dramatically there and, and made them uh, make mistakes and made them shoot poorly to a certain degree, challenging a lot of shots and, and dominating the glass as we did. But just getting off to a great start from the get-go, I think is important against, you know, some of these higher quality teams. Obviously, Stanford has – you know, Zaire Williams, who we went after hard, and, you know, he's a high-level wing. And you know, they, they have, they've obviously uh, dramatically increased their talent pool, their talent base at Stanford uh, with, with Jared Haas uh, and his recruiting, his staff recruiting. So um, if we do end up playing Stanford, it'll be interesting to see uh, how we handle those wings and continue to be disruptive with Leakey and, and challenging Zaire Williams. And, and, and um, just, like I said, coming off from the, from the jump, just being ready to roll, uh, being efficient from the jump. Let's see, I want to see uh, Caleb Love um, be a little more efficient. Um, obviously had a very strong showing in the first game. Didn't shoot it great, but still controlled the flow. And, and, he, and he obviously shows flashes tonight of, of being really good. But just, um, you know, being able to, um, you know, I think he was two for nine and 0 for five from three. So having him being a consistent threat, uh, from the outside, I think we'll continue to once again open things up and, and get him out in transition and hopefully get a few easy things for him as well. I think will be important. Yeah, I mean, and he's got to – he's still learning. He's still a freshman. He's got to learn at his college. And, and, you know, he took that drive up, I think it was, in the, I guess, in the first half. Looked like he wanted to dunk it, decided he was going to lay it up, and the guy put it in the crowd. I mean, that's probably not anything he had to deal with too terribly much in high school, but it's a work in progress. Carolina beats UNLV uh, by 27 after being down 13. Looks ahead to either Stanford or Alabama. Carolina, of course, saw Alabama in the Bahamas last year. They've lost a ton. Uh, they still got John Petty, and I think John Petty hit like six or seven threes last year against uh, mm -hmm. Carolina down there in the Bahamas. So play them in the Bahamas one year, potentially play them in Maui, uh, Asheville, North Carolina version, Maui. The next, Mike. It's always been a pleasure. Don't think we'll catch up with you tomorrow post game, but we'll definitely talk to you again Wednesday night. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Hopefully, uh, we'll have a great showing tomorrow, and and we'll be talking about hopefully the the championship game on Wednesday. Indeed, you've been listening to the Inside Carolina post game podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. That is Michael Brooker, sponsored by Johnny T Shirt and Johnny T Shirt dot com. Visit them. Take advantage of the sales. Cyber Monday sales was going on today. You've got all sorts of stuff. Get every Carolina gear piece you need, support local.
and rate us, review us, subscribe on iTunes and on YouTube when we're there. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.